All right, here we go. Several years ago, sorry for that distraction. Several years ago, before Jackie and I got married, so it's been just a couple, right? It's been a couple since then. Um, she, I think it was at a concert, you probably got in touch with, um, was it Compassion International with Patrick? No, it was actually through uh, a radio station. Oh, through a radio station, okay. And WCIC. And so they do these child sponsorships all across the world. Um, mission, um, mission works outside of whatever church that you may be attending, like in our case, Church of the Nazarene has its own kind of wing in this area. <clears throat> but through radio stations, when you do sponsorships or something like that, you, you get connected with a specific child. And she had her heart moved to sponsor a specific child and his name. In English, it was written as Patrick. Um, I learned much later uh, the actual word and how I pronounced it is Nayaranakuru. Um, and he's from Rwanda. But so before Jackie and I got together, uh, she had this sponsored child. After she and I got together and got married, um, we, it was no longer just her money that was sponsoring him, but it became our money. And so he came into my life that way. And that's really cool. A few times a year, the program goes where you will write a letter to him, he'll write a letter back to you, or have somebody send you a letter on his behalf telling you what's going on in his life. Uh, a lot of times, every time, it had to be translated into English. Um, we'd occasionally write back to them, and he'd pretty much write to us on a regular basis, like quarterly or something like that. But I will be honest, nothing seems super engaging. It's not anything I couldn't read from a, like a newsletter. It didn't seem very personal, even though it was coming from a particular person. He said he prayed for us, and as he grew, he, he could write to us directly himself. But he said he prayed for us, and we would write back that we were praying for him likewise, and other things like that. But relationally, it seemed a little hard to feel like it was real. We didn't seem very connected. And for me, it turned the corner for me when I, I started to remember him intentionally in my prayers. We'd pray for him in the evenings when we do family prayer time together. Um, maybe I'd think about him throughout the day randomly and just pray for him. I would see a map and then I'd see Rwanda and I would think about him and I would see where last I heard he was living in that area or he had moved over here. And I thought about him and I prayed for him. He became more and more real to me. We'd get letters that seemed a little bit more tactile, like he told us what he did with a gift. He bought a goat and what that meant to him. That seemed to be a little bit more and more personal and connected. I would pursue actually learning more about that country on my own. And all the while, we never talked on the phone all those many years we never met him in person. God had forged a connection through prayer and correspondence in his spirit through this. Now, I shared this with you to kick off this message because it's something relational that happens similarly in this particular portion of Scripture. Something relational happened by the spirit through prayer and fellowship between the Colossians and Paul. Now I want to read the first couple of verses, just the first couple of verses of Colossians. It says, 
Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ in Colossae, grace and peace to you from God our Father. This is a standard greeting by Paul. If you've read enough Paul letters and we've been working through them, it's a standard greeting for Paul. It's a standard greeting for Greek writing in general. It's the same as dear so-and-so when we write, just as much as the last parts of his letter are just like sincerely so-and-so, right? It's, it's a standard letter, which helps us understand a little bit about how he goes through these beginning phases. But what sticks out to me in comparison to other letters that he writes and talks about Timothy is he talks about Timothy in a different way this time. I don't know if you picked up on it. He says, our brother, our brother. He doesn't say, my son in the faith, which for some of his people who have followed him, that's what he refers to them as. That's pretty cool. Something significant there. And you could also point out the idea that he says our, as in it's not just Paul's, my brother in the faith. It's our. So he's writing the persons, the people he's writing with and the persons that he's writing to It's including them in this connection to Timothy. So that's pretty cool. So now we've got this connection with Timothy. We we relate to him as a family member in a way, in a sense. And then we carry on with verses three through six, okay? Hold on. I was going to say to your hats, but no one's wearing a hat today, so that's all right. Hold on to whatever you got. Here it comes. Verse three. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. I kind of thought maybe I could try to do that all in one breath. I don't know that I would have made it. But I mean, talk about your run on sentences. I don't know if you've ever seen a run-on sentence before, but now you have. It's all one sentence, all the way through 6a, but it's divided into these separate verses. And I started to wonder why. Why, when they started to put these verse markers in place, why is there something important about these different sections that we need to bite-size and break it down a little bit? So I thought I'd break it down and look at these different verses. Let's start by looking at verse 3. Verse 3 says, that he talks about thanking God. He talks about thanking God. And it introduces Paul and Timothy that they pray for the Colossians. It introduces that they pray for the Colossians. Okay, so that's, good. that's good information. He's thanking God for them. He's praying for the Colossians. But the question is why? Sometimes you want to know what the motive is. What's going on? Why are you doing this, Paul? And Paul tells us in verse 4 why that is. Because they had heard of their faith, of the Colossians' faith, in Christ Jesus. Paul and Timothy heard about the faith that the Colossians had in Christ Jesus. Let me ask you, are you encouraged when you hear someone doing really well spiritually? Are you excited to hear that? There's a little bit of me that's a little pessimistic, like, that just seems so fake, or maybe there's just over the top. 
But when somebody is truly on fire, they're getting into God's word, they're excited. Are you excited for them? If, if, I'm, if, I'm, if I'm excited about my own spiritual walk, it's easier for me to be excited about theirs, to be honest with you, because I'm going on the same track. But churches, we can be excited for other churches too. If we hear churches are booming all across Wisconsin, we should be excited for them and praising God for all the salvations and baptisms and, and memberships and things like that that are going on. Uh, churches that are growing throughout the world through evangelism and discipleship, which are really the same thing. Well, Paul and Tim have not only heard about the faith, but their love, the Colossians' love for all God's people. This is a good illustration of this word, this characteristic of God, compassion. And you'll find a couple of verses here I wrote. Uh, I, I did Psalm 103 and then Isaiah 49 in your bulletin. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. And then uh, Isaiah 49, 15 in the ESV. Can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? And obviously the answer is no or not likely. But then he says, even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Compassion, this love that he has. It's a characteristic that God's people are to have. So when we look, we keep moving on down the verses. We look at verse 5 through the beginning of 6. Paul takes a moment to point out a deeper spiritual truth about the faith that they, and love that they have. That that's that compassion for the Lord's people. What is it? The compassion comes from hope that has a heavenly origin, heavenly origin. And in the gospel that was preached to them and believed by them. So it's got a heavenly origin and as an origin in the gospel that was preached to them. So recap, it's not just the spoken message. It's not just divine intervention, but it is both things together. It is hope and it is truth. Let's move on to verse six. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. Paul takes some time to connect the Colossians' present spiritual condition and progress in the faith to what the gospel is doing throughout the world. It's producing fruit just as they are. We look at verses seven through eight. You learned it from Epaphras. Yeah, I'd say that three times fast. Am I saying it right? Is that how you say it? Epaphras? She's looking at her mom. I'm not saying it right, am I? I'm gonna say Epaphras. Ep- Epaphras. Is that how you guys do it? Whatever. That's, my joke is that it, it's in the Bible. All these people are dead. They're not gonna get mad at me if I say their name wrong, but that's okay. As long as I pronounce Jesus all right, it'll be fine. Epaphras ministered to the Colossians, okay? Epaphras then reported back to Paul and Timothy. That's a picture we have here. And then Paul and Tim only know anything because of this guy named Epaphras. That tells me that Epaphras must have been very trustworthy, a very trustworthy guy. I mean, seriously. He is the only reason that they're connected 
with this church and hear back and forth from them. Uh, Verse 9, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually, continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Lord who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Holy run-on sentence, Batman. I mean, seriously. Once again, Paul strikes again with a run-on sentence. Big old one right there. And it is good stuff, and that's why you have to break them down when there's a lot there. So let's look at verse 9 again. For this reason, we are continually praying for you. Catch that. For this reason, we are continually praying for you. I mean, if you read the Bible and sometimes you stop and you look at it and you go, wow, that thing just happened? Well, for me, when I looked at this verse, I said, wow, that's amazing. You've got a group of people that Paul and Timothy have never met, never personally visited at this point. They only know about Colossia, uh, the Colossian church through Epaphras. And Paul is only known to them because of the teachings being quoted in reference, the things that he would have taught, and then they bring those to Colossia. Uh, Colossia. Oh, my goodness. To the Colossian church, we'll just say that, yeah. So what this is to me, and this is what I want to share with you today, is that this adds extra weight to the words Paul writes to the Colossians. This is extra weight. These these right here, what we're reading right now, it's the first directly addressed directions going to the Colossians from Paul. The first personal correspondence. I want you to think about something. I don't know if you've ever filled out a form online um, or maybe had to do one of those robo-dial things on the phone. You have to press press the number to get to the thing. But in every situation, usually in those situations, at the end, what you're trying to do is get in contact with a real person. You want to get a answer back on that form you filled out. You're pressing all these buttons so you can actually be called back by a real human. Once that real communication happens, there's something different. A shift happens. You get a real human who can empathize with what's going on and can answer your problems and not just press three if you like this, you know. So it must have been amazing for the Colossians to have something directly from Paul. But also what Paul chose to instruct about must have had significant weight and importance. So that brings me to ask the question, what did he, what did Paul ask God for them? That brings us to this verse in verse 9, to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. To fill you with the knowledge of his will. Verse 10, again, Paul answers the question, why? Why does he pray that way? Why desire the, why desire the knowledge of God's will through the Spirit? Well, simply put, it's so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord 
and please him in every way. We talk about the holiness movement and a lot of times it just gets into this, follow this list of do's and don'ts. Make sure that, but living a life is actually putting into practice, not making sure you're checking a list. There's a difference. It's not about the end product. It's about the journey and, and being led by the spirit along the way. The end result may look the same, but the heart is going to be different. If my heart's in it and I'm living a holy life and I'm living a life pleasing to God, that's the way we want to go. Not looking over my shoulder and make sure God's not getting me with a baseball bat for that thought or that look or that whatever. So what does it look like to live a life pleasing to God? He says it's bearing fruit in every good work. Bearing fruit. This is the second time in just a few verses that he says the phrase bearing fruit. Did it back in verse 6, right? It was in relationship to the gospel at that point. It says the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the world. But in the context of verse 10, the Colossians, it's them living a life worthy of the Lord. They bear fruit. And then they grow in the knowledge of God. They're being strengthened with all the power according to his glorious might. And giving joyful thanks. These are the actions and the activities of somebody living a life pleasing to God. Giving joyful thanks to the Father. A few more truth bombs for you. Because now he's got this connection. He's connected to them. He's helping encourage them in their strength and their walk. He wants them to know a few things. He wants us to as well. God the Father qualified you, Colossians. He qualified them to share in the inheritance of his holy people. That is pretty amazing. Um, Can you imagine bringing somebody into your life? You have, let's just pretend you had a lot of money, okay? And you bring somebody into your life uh, and they inherit that when you pass away. They inherit your, your, everything you've built up. They weren't your child. They weren't your, um, from, from birth. They, they were qualified into the inheritance. That's the picture we have here. The Colossians were not part of the original um, <laughs> people of Israel. And they were qualified into this inheritance, the holy people. Verse 13 is like, a linchpin verse for me on this. This is so great. It says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is where these verses kind of turn a corner for me. And that's kind of why we stop at verse 14 this morning. You see, the focus to begin with is that God the Father is the one who rescues us And brought us into his son's kingdom. That's the first emphasis. But the second one is the us. Two little little letters. We didn't see earlier in the letter itself. Us. He has rescued us. He brought us into his his son's kingdom. The implication being what? That Paul has been speaking about separate groups up until this point. It's... Epaphras and Paul and Timothy, that's, that's this group. You've got the Colossians over here, you, so it's we and you. But now we've got, now it's, now it's just, it's not just you, it's not just me being those people, but it's we, it's us. We keep praying for you 
earlier. Now it says we includes the Colossians, qualifying them in the inheritance of the holy people. People talk about being inclusive and whatever that word means to you. But God didn't have to be inclusive. However, he did. He included the the Colossians in the inheritance. At a training uh, on church planning I went to a few years ago, the speaker addressed a common concern among church people. He said, some people don't think that we need church planning, starting new churches, new works. But unless you're part of the original group of disciples and the church in Jerusalem, guess what? You're part of a church plant. Your church is the result of church planning. We know that very well all those years ago where a group of people wanted to start a church and they came over from La Crosse and did a a tent meeting. And here we are. Why go and minister to other areas? Why pray for people you'll never meet in person? Why does that matter? Why pray for our Lynx missionaries? Why give to Alabaster? Why? Because they matter to God. Because their mission that God has called upon them matters. Because you matter to God. What God has called you to do matters. And because his glorious grace, we have reached the good news. We have, we have been reached with the good news, you and I. And he's included us in his plan to reach the world. Paul, in these verses, makes this verbal shift, including the Colossian church in the we. We have been included. Not because we did anything to deserve it, no, but because God's compassion and grace is great. It is for us that we have to, that has, it's got to be on us to respond and live the kingdom life, to live a life worthy of our Heavenly Father. And so, what can you and I do today? as a result and as a response to just this small portion of scripture, there might be a lot of things that you have in your mind, but one thing I want to challenge us to do is to pray for missionaries, is to pray for missionaries, is to pray for war-torn countries. I, I mean, you, tur- you turn on the news, you flip on your phone to, to discover there's another war breaking out somewhere. And human self-defense and self-preservation says, I can't handle all of this. I can't feel all of this. I can't barely pray for any of it because it's just too much. You're right. It is too much for us. But God says, bring it to me. Okay? As concerns of the day might overwhelm you and people just dump them on you over and over again, you just sit there and listen. Bring that to God. Bring it to God in the moment. Ask them to stop for a moment and ask if you can pray for them. That might help them slow down talking and dumping on you so much. But that also might solve the problem as well. Let's pray for other Christian churches that they may keep the focus on Christ. So many are not. We need to pray for these today. And that's what I want to conclude our service with today is prayer. Uh, Prayer for our, our links missionaries today. Um, prayer for our world areas that are dealing with wars and things of that nature. And so if you have a uh, particular pinpoint prayer request, sorry, 
and all froggy in my throat here, um, I would like to know, is there a, a church that you want to be lifting up in prayer right now that you know is struggling? Not hearing any, if you think of any, I want to encourage you to pray for them this, this afternoon and today. Um, shoot me an email or a text and I will, uh, I will also be praying with you as well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we bring to you folks that we will never, ever meet until heaven, maybe before, you never know. But we pray nonetheless for our brothers and sisters in Christ who are struggling people throughout the world that need to hear from you. God, we pray for the folks, the Batista family, our Lynx missionaries that started this year. We pray for them serving in the Asia Pacific region. Help us to learn more about them so that we can connect our hearts with theirs, that we may be better praying and better supporting them in their ministry this year. Uh, I've seen these missionary profiles time and time again. The one time that I really connect with them is when they're in person. But God, it's very clear to me that that is not the only way to deeply and spiritually connect with another person. We can connect uh, from a distance. We can. It is possible. It takes a little bit of work. It takes a whole lot of prayer, but we can do it. Lord, if you will help us. And so we pray that you would help us to connect with this family and pray for them and lift them up on a regular basis. God, we pray for all the various mission areas, which is the entire world, to be honest with you. It sounds silly to say mission areas, but it's true. Every single area that the Church of the Nazarene is in and those that we're trying to get in, Lord, I pray for your hand upon it. Bring to mind the countries that are war-torn right now that are very clear. We pray for Israel and we pray for uh, the Gaza area, and the people and the innocents that are, of course, in the crossfire. Lord, we pray for healing in that land. We pray for your kingdom to come and your will to be done. We think it's been so long with Ukraine and Russia, Lord. We pray for your hand and your will to be done, and we pray for your protection upon your servants. And may they share and spread the gospel wherever they go. Lord, we pray for other churches, Lord, that we maybe don't know right now on our district, outside of our district. May your hand be upon them. Would you give them success as they pursue you in living a life that is worthy of our Lord. We love you this day and we thank you and we pray that you would motivate us to get active learning more about missionaries and other people so that we can have compassion. Compassion for people we may never speak to, talk to on the phone, or meet in person. But yet they are real people who love you and are concerned for their world where they live. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed. Go in peace.